Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. will teach you the tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now here is your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, M.D. All right, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. I want to thank you for joining me for part two of my interview with Dr. Terry Walls. She is the author of The Walls Protocol. And Dr. Walls is a physician who was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and saw significant decline in her function to the point where she was in a wheelchair. She completely revamped her way of eating and it completely changed her health. And today she will share some aspects of that diet with us, and the diet is written up in her book, The Walls Protocol. Of course, you know the information presented is for educational purposes only and is not intended for diagnosis or treatment, so seek the advice of your healthcare provider before making any changes to your health. Dr. Walls, welcome back. You shared with us last time about the journey you went through with the diagnosis of MS and the research you did looking at things that could help to improve your health and how you change your diet and really very inspirational to see the the progress and the improvement in your health. Now, you came up with a WALS protocol, and you sort of alluded to this last time, and I do encourage our listeners, if you didn't hear part one, go back to the archives and check it out. But, you know, there's so many diet books out there. Why did you feel the need to write up this protocol? Well, you know, uh, in the paleo world, uh, a lot of the uh, writers focus on uh, things to take out of the diet, but they don't tell people how to organize uh, their diets to maximize the intake of the key vitamins, minerals, essential fats, and antioxidants that brain cells need to thrive. Um, And so what we've done is we've created uh, food rules to help people organize their diets, created a menu, and then I did a research quality analysis of the vitamins, fats, et cetera, in that week's worth of food to confirm that we have a food plan that people can follow and then feel very comfortable that they are flooding their cells and their brain with the most intense nutrition possible. There, there really is no other diet that has taken the time to this level of validation uh, of uh, the soundness of the nutritional strategy. Now, You know, so they're adding many different things to their diet. Are they adding them all at once, or do you do it one at a time and see how things work? Like, how does that protocol handle, you know, a variety of different things? How do you know which one really works? So what what, uh, we have done to make this more accessible for as many people as possible uh, is that I have uh, different levels. So there's the Walls Diet, Walls Paleo, and Walls Paleo Plus. Uh, And I... uh, tell people in a very step-by-step fashion how to work with your present diet uh, and transition to the walls diet. So step one is to take the gluten dairy uh, out of the diet uh, and uh, ramp up over time your vegetable intake uh, to get nine cups if you're a a tall female or a male uh, or proportionately less if you're a small petite female. And those nine cups are three cups of green leaves three cups of sulfur-rich vegetables out of the cabbage, onion, mushroom family, and three cups of deeply colored like uh, beets, carrots, uh, or berries. And then high-quality protein, 
Uh, and we, I talked to the vegetarians about how to organize their protein uh, in a safer way uh, and about the reasons to consider animal protein. Uh, and I explained that my preference is for people to uh, get 6 to 12 ounces of animal protein a day according to their uh, size, gender, and appetite. Once they are fully on board with that, uh, then uh, we talk with them uh, about how to decide when to go to the next level, which is the Wallace Paleo, which would talk about organ meat, uh, seaweed, uh, and sprouting nuts and seeds, uh, and more fermented foods. Then uh, I talk about the reasons to consider the next level, which is a ketogenic diet, uh, and give people some guidance as to why to think about a ketogenic diet and then uh, how to take these dietary concepts and uh, get the person into ketosis. Now, I mean, in listening to you, it definitely sounds like a lot more servings than what is usually recommended. In terms of the vegetables, though, do they have to be raw, are they cooked, or does it not matter? You know, um, so it will depend on the circumstances. Let's say we have somebody with uh, inflammatory bowel disease who's uh, trying to do this because the protocol is very helpful for uh, basically all autoimmune conditions. Uh, If there's any kind of gut issues, I uh, urge that the vegetables be cooked, be thoroughly cooked, and that they start a lot with soups uh, and stews and broths. And so uh, that would be a gradual transition. If the gut's working well, uh, then the person could have a mixture of both raw and cooked foods, and a combination of the two uh, is uh, really the most beneficial. And given that it's so many servings, do you find that it's difficult for people to maintain? So... uh, uh, I would say no, um, uh, because the first thing most people notice is increased energy, increased mental clarity, uh, more joy, and a happier mood. Uh, and so uh, the fact that symptoms are reduced, energy is improved, it makes it easier and easier uh, to maintain uh, this way of eating. Uh, and I stress to people, uh, both in my clinics my, and my clinical practice and in the book, that this really isn't a diet. This is simply a new way of thinking about food and living. Uh, That this is more of a lifestyle change and a commitment towards creating uh, the best uh, environment for yourselves uh, to live so they can repair and rebuild a new, healthier you. I'm glad you made that clarification because you're right. It is only when we really embrace things as a lifestyle change that's going to really change our lives, that we, we stick to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the vegan movement is in full bloom, and um, one, of the, one of the things you mentioned is, the, is organ meat and so forth. And so why do you think meat in the diet is important? Because they will tell you otherwise. Sure, sure. So uh, I know many vegans and vegetarians who have removed meat or all animal products from their diet uh, but have made uh, no other changes to the diet. And so they're still eating a lot of white sugar, high fructose corn syrup, white flour, very few vegetables, very few protein, and taking no B12 supplements. Those people are very at risk to uh, develop a serious health problems. Uh, and so I, I explain that without meat, uh, you're going to be at risk for B12 deficiency, because to absorb B12, uh, it needs to link up with intrinsic factor that's made in your stomach, and then it'll be reabsorbed later, later in the intestines. But the intrinsic factor is designed 
to hook up most effectively with animal forms of B12. It doesn't really engage very effectively with the uh, plant or fungal or bacterial forms of B12. So B12 deficiency uh, is certainly a risk uh, three to five years after dropping animal proteins out of one's diet. Uh, Another potential hazard is simply not enough protein uh, because many vegetarians and vegans don't understand how to uh, mix grains and legumes to make a complete protein uh, and are not getting sufficient protein in the day. Uh, Third risk is the uh, higher amount of carbs in the diet and the tendency for uh, vegetarians and vegans to have less acid in their stomach sets that person up uh, for a higher risk, particularly if they've taken some antibiotics, to wipe out the health-promoting bacteria in the lactobacillus and bifidobacter families and instead get replaced by sugar-loving yeast like candida and sugar-loving bacteria like Pseudomonas and Proteus uh, uh, Klebsiella species. Then the last thing uh, that I'm concerned about is uh, the omega-3, omega-6 balance. Uh, The vegetarian vegans are more likely to get pushed towards the omega-6 balance. Uh, And even though they may take enough alpha-linoleic acid, the vegetarian form of omega-3, our bodies have to elongate that, add a few more carbons to that chain to make eicosapentaenoic acid, which is EPA, and docosahexaenoic acid, which is DHA, that are very important in making myelin in brain structures. And uh, the animal forms uh, in cold water fish, uh, grass-fed meat, will have EPA and DHA. Um, and if we have to rely on making it from the vegetarian form, you can only convert about 5% of what you consume into the EPA or DHA. So you have to consume 20 times the amount of vegetarian uh, omega-3 fatty acids to make enough of the EPA, DHA that your brain needs. If you're just joining me, my guest today is Dr. Terry Walsh. She's the author of The Walsh Protocol. And you are talking about why you have meat included in this protocol. So let's say how many servings per week do you think would be appropriate? Uh, Six to 12 ounces of animal protein a day. Ah, okay. All right. So, So that's the range I give. Now, I am empathetic to the vegetarians and vegans, and I actually do have some on my study team. So we have designed a version of the diet uh, for the vegetarian and vegans and talk with them uh, about the B12 supplementation uh, and how to uh, handle the legumes and grains to decrease the risk from the uh, phytates and lectins that are in those products. Okay, so that's good because I'm sure yeah. there's so many people who would be interested in this diet, but how do we make it work, you know, if, if right, we're vegans? Right. Yeah. You know, and I realize that there are certainly many vegetarian vegans who are doing this for their religious and spiritual beliefs. Uh, so we create a protocol that uh, would work for them as well. Oh, that's great. Now, uh, we did talk about last week the fact that you were in a wheelchair for several years. Where are you today uh, functionally in terms of your health? Uh, well, you know, I can uh, go out and bike a couple hours with uh, my wife on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Um, I uh, do yoga and Pilates uh, each day. Uh, on the weekends, I swim. Uh, and a couple times a week, I'm on the treadmill. Uh, and this morning, 20 minutes at 4 miles an hour. So I'm alternating between walking briskly and jogging slowly. Uh, and, you know, a year ago, I started jogging a little bit, but had uh, bad hip pain. 
which made me stop. And I remembered in my 20s I had to quit running because of hip pain. Uh, but I'm very excited now. I, I think my nutritional program seems to have quieted down my hip pain. I'm walking and jogging, no hip pain. So now I'm thinking, you know, perhaps by the end of the year, uh, I'll be able to do a 20-minute jog on the treadmill. Wow, wow. I, I want to go back to the nutrition piece for one second. Yes. In terms of people wanting to use organic versus non-organic, and I know quite a bit of my listeners, sometimes they're not able to afford it. In your protocol, do you push for organic or does it not matter? Um, so we certainly encourage uh, organic as much as uh, one's budget will allow. I uh, encourage the readers and the listeners to go to the Environmental Working Group to get the Clean 15 Dirty Dozen to help prioritize. Uh, and then we talk about uh, growing f- uh, food in container gardens, uh, off your deck, uh, in the garden, mixed in with your lawn, uh, community gardening, community-supported agriculture. Uh, in an effort to make this more affordable, you know, I, I talk about how the typical family throws away 30 to 40% of the food that we buy. Uh, and so I teach how to use all of the food that you buy so we aren't throwing away perfectly edible food, um, which immediately saves a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, so let's be clear then in terms of where are you with medications today for MS? Oh. Are you currently on medications? So in uh, 2007, I was taking Cellcept. Uh, and that was $1,000 a month. It's an immune-suppressing drug uh, that's typically given to people uh, on a transplant. Uh, by 2008, uh, that's about six months into my uh, new way of eating and living, I was uh, feeling so well. Um, I had so much energy. We had stopped the Provigil, which I had been taking uh, because of the fatigue. Uh, because when I took the Provigil, I couldn't sleep at night, and I... And my doc and I talked and said, you know, I, I'm doing great. I don't think I need it. So we stopped it, and I continued to do very well. Uh, and then I told him I wanted to wean off the immune-suppressing drugs. And he uh, agreed. So we halved it for a week, halved it for another week, and then I was off. And the agreement was that if we had any sense that I was deteriorating again or um, had a flare that I couldn't explain by a, a dietary problem, that I would go back on disease-modifying drugs, uh, and there's been no need. Uh, the only times I've had uh, any problems, and it's always been a flare of my MS-related pain, is when uh, I accidentally got either gluten, dairy, uh, or eggs uh, into my food. So I've, I've learned to be very, very attentive, uh, and you know I'm continuing to improve. Um, my strength improves. My endurance improves. My uh, physicians uh, exclaim when they see me, like, man, Tara, you're looking six months younger than the last time I saw you. Uh, and both <laughs> my kids are laughing that I, I keep looking younger and younger. <laughs> well, and, you know, I I have listeners out there, and they will listen to this information. And so, I, again, I want to I want to be clear on, on certain things. So they'll listen to this information, and they will want to begin changing their lifestyle, changing the way they eat, are you recommending that once they feel better that they stop taking their medicine? We always, always, I, I get this question many times. I, I want to uh, stop my drugs, start your protocol, and my response is always work with the treating physician. As you adopt the protocol, and if you have the uh, 
good fortune to experience significant healing, more energy, more strength, more vitality, uh, you'll find that your blood pressures improve, your blood sugars improve. Uh, if you have excess weight, it will drop off. Your energy improves. You'll probably need less of the stimulating drugs uh, if you're taking that for your fatigue. And then uh, talk to your treating physician and let them know that you'd like to uh, taper drugs that are treating symptoms that you no longer have. And then you can have a conversation uh, about when you'd like to taper very slowly and very carefully any disease-modifying drugs. Uh, and, and these are always conversations you have with a treating physician. And I remind everyone that we are the ones who decide what drugs we're going to take. Uh, so you can always negotiate with your physician uh, whether or not you want to continue taking drugs that are treating symptoms, if your symptoms are gone, and at what point that you want to very slowly, very gradually uh, begin slowing down on any disease-modifying drugs. But you never want to do this without talking to both your primary care and your treating specialist who's taking care of whatever autoimmune condition that, that it is uh, that you're suffering from. I agree. I agree. Definitely your doctor should be involved as you're making these changes. So we're going to take another short break for our sponsors. And when we return, we will get Dr. Wall's take on how you as a listener can begin to make similar lifestyle changes, uh, regardless of what condition you're addressing at the moment. So we'll be right back. Dr. Diane A. Thompson is an author, a dynamic speaker, and a workshop leader. If you would like to hire her to speak at your event, please visit www.drdianethompson.com. Also, sign up for updates and for her free ebook on stress at www.drdianethompson.com. That's www.drdianethompson.com. Welcome back. If you are just joining us, my guest today is Dr. Terry Waltz. She is a physician and a patient uh, that was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and she is really showing us how important nutrition and lifestyle changes are to getting ourselves healthy. She went from being in a wheelchair to now where she is actually more active than I am, <laughs> and I think that is so inspirational. And she attributes all these changes to her nutrition and lifestyle change that she wrote up in a book called The Walls Protocol. So, you know, I wonder, Dr. Walls, having gone through this, I think many times as providers, it, uh, it takes us being a patient to really look at things from the patient perspective. Having gone through all of this, how does this change the way you practice medicine? Uh, well, uh, I, I certainly understand disease and health very differently now. Um, I, I still do my internal medicine diagnosing, treating of symptoms, but then I do a second layer of diagnosing of the person's diet and lifestyle issues. How nutrient-dense is their diet? Uh, are they likely to have food sensitivities? Did they uh, likely have sugar-loving bacteria in their bowels? How well do their mitochondria work? Are toxins part of the problem? Is their immune system overly aggressive at attacking self? Uh, and so after I've made the diagnosis of environmental and lifestyle factors, then, uh, the patient, uh, then I teach the patient how a functional medicine approach can begin to uh, correct these problems. And uh, that, at, after that point, I ask, okay, what did you learn? What are your goals? And then we work with a uh, patient to identify what their next steps will be. 
So it seems like in, involving the patient is really the way to go because I sometimes find uh, it's a challenge. Many times patients do get the information. There are lots of information out there as to what to do, how to do it. But it seems as if they haven't bought onto it, if they are not, you know, feel empowered and they're not a part of it, that they don't necessarily make these changes. So, you know, uh, Absolutely critical is teaching them the why. Uh, you know, t- uh, teach them a little basic biochemistry, a little basic cell stuff, um, and give them easily understood metaphors to explain these concepts. Because if they don't understand why, then there's no reason to give up the foods to which they're addicted that are very tasty, very yummy, and freely available, and unfortunately destroying their health. They yeah. absolutely have to un- completely understand that why. I think you're so right. Now, the, the you focus on MS, but is this protocol something that we can apply to just about any disease? Yes, absolutely. So I have thousands and thousands of followers, and we now have hundreds of, and hundreds that have contacted us to say, I have disease X, I've adopted your protocol, and it's transformed my life. So we have many, many people, of course, with MS, but we also have Parkinson's, uh, fibromyalgia, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, inflammatory bowel disease, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, uh, early memory loss. Um, And I I would reinforce to to your listeners that blooding your cells with nutrition, whatever your underlying health problem, uh, will be helpful. Removing uh, the toxins that are troublesome to your system, uh, the things at highest risk for food sensitivities, and helping your body process and eliminate toxins more effectively will also be helpful for nearly every chronic mental health, medical, neurological problem out there. Uh, it'll help people get the greatest health and vitality, the greatest energy, the greatest mental clarity uh, through diet and lifestyle. Now, what's interesting is that in medical school, this is not taught a lot, you know. Oh, um, so sad. It is sad. I must say, I went to the University of Maryland, and I do remember they had someone come in and maybe four or five lectures on nutrition because they realized the importance of it. But this is not something that's traditionally taught. And so I wonder, for people that are out there, they may have current doctors who they're not interested in this. Sure. Where do they start to look? You know, if they really want to get on board with something like this, where do they look for a physician, a provider who may approach health in this manner? So uh, there are a couple of things that they can do. I have a link on my website that will take them to the Institute for Functional Medicine, uh, and they can find a, a link that way. I also uh, spend a fair amount of time talking about how to talk to your physician about these concepts. Uh, and for most primary care docs, if their patient came in and the patient said, I'm going to uh, really, my goal is to eat nine cups of vegetables a day between greens, uh, cabbage family, and deeply colored, is there anything I need to do about that? Most primary care docs are going to be tremendously excited because they understand that this is a big ramp up in the quality of nutrition. So I think it's certainly possible to work with your primary care doc to ramp up your nutrition, uh, and we've given some guidance on how to ask your primary care doc for some of the basic lab testing that we use to help monitor how I supplement people. Now you've been involved in some clinical research. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So uh, in order to show that this protocol is going to help other disease states, we've done a clinical trial testing uh, the same protocol that I described in the book 
in others with progressive multiple sclerosis. And I'll remind the readers that this is the phase of the disease where there's no more spontaneous improvement. You expect a steady decline. Uh, and so uh, that's who we recruited. So if we got improvement, there'd be no question it was from our protocol. Uh, and we've got 20 people through. We published the results from the first 10. Uh, and that um, was in the Journal of uh, Alternatives and Complementary Medicine. Uh, we showed that it was safe. Uh, the biggest side effect was if you're overweight, you lost weight, and that we had a uh, very marked and very large improvement in fatigue. And the people had uh, much more energy within the uh, 12 months. Uh, now, we are writing up the uh, other outcomes, change in gait, change in thinking, change in mood, change in quality of life, uh, and the nutritional analysis. In summary, I can tell them the uh, the, qual- the nutrient quality, the nutrient density was dramatically higher, and we see uh, many favorable, favorable changes in people's lives from the beginning uh, to the 12 months. And we have uh, follow-up studies now doing just the e-stem and exercise and doing just the nutrition, again, in progressive MS. Those studies are ongoing, uh, and we're sending uh, grants in to expand the work into uh, other disease states, as I would mentioned earlier. Did you notice any type of better outcome based on the type of medication they were in when in conjunction with the protocol? Uh, the sample size are too small to have an opinion there. We, mm-hmm. we did uh, ask uh, that nobody, you had to have uh, stable disease-modifying drugs for three months to get in the trial. So it was clear that any changes would be from our intervention, not from a change in medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that if people began to recover, uh, and they would call and want my blessing to stop their drugs. I'd say, no, 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 you work with your prescribing neurologist uh, and be sure that they are comfortable with whatever it is that you're going to do. Uh, and we note, uh, and we'll be noting that uh, in all of our future papers, the number of people who were on disease-modifying drugs at the beginning and uh, the number uh, that are on at the end. Uh, it, uh, people are improving enough that their treating physicians are comfortable with their uh, weaning off these drugs. This is great news for people with MS and really important for anybody who wants to change their diet and, you know, change their lifestyle, really. Um, I'd love to leave my listeners with a tip of the week, um, something that they can implement right away. So my final question to you, for a person with MS or any other chronic disease that they're trying to manage with the aid of good nutrition and say they are ready to make some changes. Again, there's so much information out there, and for some people they become so overwhelmed. So what is a good starting point for someone who says, enough is enough, I'm ready to make a change? So the the very first step is taking uh, those uh, foods that are at highest risk for causing problems out of the diet. That's gluten, uh, dairy, and I think eggs uh, would be the third uh, leading. So my preference is get those three things out of the diet and then begin adding in the other things I've stressed, uh, the vegetables, high-quality protein, organ meat, uh, and I think seaweed would be a good thing to add as well. Well, wonderful. Now, how may our listeners contact you or get a hold of your book? Sure. So uh, the book should be available everywhere now, uh, and I invite your listeners to go to the website, Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, Walls, W-A-H-L-S dot com, and download the free materials that we mentioned in the book. Uh, Watch the videos and get started. Uh, 
Uh, and if you want to reach me, uh, you can uh, use the contact form. If you think you are interested in participating in one of our clinical trials, we are recruiting people with progressive MS who are still eating a uh, standard American diet and can walk 25 feet. They could call my secretary, Arlene, at 319-356-4421. Dr. Terry Walls, her book is called The Walls Protocol. And again, you can check out her website at terrywalls.com where she has a lot of information there for you, and, and check out her book. Um, you may just improve your health in a way that you never thought before. Dr. Walsh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. All right, and to our listeners, as I tell you every week, your health is your wealth, and my goal is to help you keep it. So please do something healthy for yourself this week. Until next time, take care, everyone. You've been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. Please join us every other Sunday on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash Dr. Diane Thompson at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to listen to past shows, or would like our free ebook on stress, please visit www.drdianethompson.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dr. Diane A. Thompson. Remember, your health is your wealth. So do something healthy today.